a mother ran into the bedroom because she heard her, her little uh, seven-year-old screaming. Runs in there and she finds her two-year-old with hands full of hair. Just pulling as hard as you could. And so she reaches down and gently takes the fingers out of her seven-year-old's hair and tries to comfort the boy that's seven who's just had his hair pulled terribly. And he says, there, there, she didn't mean it. She doesn't know that that hurts. And he nodded, even though he's kind of crying. And so then she left the room, and in just a moment, all of a sudden she hears a little girl screaming. And she rushes back in, and she says, what happened, what happened? And he says, well, now she knows. Running from mercy for others and yet seeking mercy by our repentance and our prayers for ourselves is really one of the biggest hypocrisies of religion. It's the reason that we aren't liked by everybody. In Matthew eighteen twenty one through 35, it's like, not like, others is the way we tend to feel. Do you remember the Pharisee goes up to the temple and pray and the tax collector stands at a distance? What does the Pharisee think about himself? I thank you that I'm not like others. I'm especially not like that guy. Not a good attitude to have. We, as the Jews cannot bear the thought sometimes of mercy for them. Mercy for us is easy. Mercy for others, he couldn't do that. And yet Jesus, in Luke chapter 4, verses 25 through 27, takes Elijah and uses him as an example of going to a Gentile widow. Jesus takes Elisha and uses his example of healing Naaman, who was a Gentile leader. You see, they were not one of us. How could you dare think that God cared about one that's not one of us? And Jesus is trying to say, Hello, I'm Lord of all. We who seek to be Strict Bible followers, wonderful goal. I want to be that, don't you? I want to follow the Bible the way it says it. Exactly like it says it, not close. I don't want to be near it. I want to be spot on. I think that's the desire, to be pure, right? To be clean, to have a pure way, a pure heart, to do what it says, how it says, when it says it. To speak where the Bible speaks. To be silent where the Bible's silent. To call Bible things by Bible names. Do Bible things in Bible ways. What else would a Christian want to do but that? Having said that though, that means that I might struggle with what God might be doing that doesn't fit my image that I've perceived. In Numbers 14 verse 20 it says, The Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word, 
pardoning the people of Israel. But listen to this next statement, verse 21. But truly, as I live, this is a swear. When God says, as I live, he is swearing by himself. But truly, as I live, all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. He's up to something, friends. Something big. Something grand. Something glorious. And if you're a strict Bible teacher, sometimes it makes you uncomfortable. But that's what he's up to. This is for Pharisees like me. This whole study. If you're a Pharisee like me, (laughs) who takes the Bible maybe sometimes a little too harshly, and goes places maybe sometimes trying to defend truth that it actually ends up stepping all over people. Then these five lessons are for you. They're certainly for me. And so I want to look at running from mercy, Jonah chapter 2. Number one, the first lesson. Running from mercy for others. That means not really wanting to show it to others. But then seeking mercy for yourself by repenting and praying in your fish. I start in chapter 1. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. Believe that completely? I don't know what kind of fish it was. Somebody says it's a whale. God bless you. I don't know what it was. It was a fish. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. That's not possible. Apparently it is. If you got God doing it. If he can make a man from dirt, I think he can pull this one off. Verse 1 of the next chapter. Then Jonah, look what he does. Praise to the Lord his God from the fish's belly. (laughs) Have you ever been swallowed up by something and needed mercy? 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 7 says, You ought rather to forgive and to comfort him, lest perhaps such a one be swallowed up with too much sorrow. You ever been swallowed up by sorrow? And you needed mercy, right? Should you not want mercy, not only for yourself, but for your fellow servants, for your fellow mankind who need God's mercy? Should you not want it enough to pray for it? To extend it? To act as if He might show it to them? Should that not be our attitude? What is God teaching Jonah in this fish's belly? To have mercy on the Ninevites because they're in their own fish's belly. So as I pray in my fish belly, I pray for those who are also in their belly of their fish. The second truth I want you to see is running from mercy for others and then seeking mercy for yourself by repenting and praying in your affliction is really an act of hypocrisy. Jonah 2 and verse 2, it says, And he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. Well, my affliction's real. My affliction's serious. And he answered me out of the belly of Sheol. I cried and you heard my voice. Have you ever been afflicted? I mean really afflicted. Have you ever been afflicted and needed mercy and not to be despised or abhorred? Now what I mean, why would you ever be afflicted 
and despise or abhorred, abhorred. I don't know. Well, let's say that you're so afflicted you can't even clean your own bottom. That you can't stop throwing up. That you're so sick that nobody can come near you except someone willing to potentially catch the disease themselves. You're abhorred by them. In Psalm 22, verse 24 says, For he, this is talking about God, For he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him, he heard. There's the Spirit of God. The Spirit of mercy. The Spirit of mercy. Should you not not only want mercy for yourself, should you not want mercy for your fellow servants who need God's mercy, that don't need to be despised and abhorred? So have mercy on the Ninevites. That's the struggle in this text. Have mercy on the Ninevites in their affliction. As I pray for my afflictions, I need to learn to have mercy on those other servants in their afflictions. What do you think? Number three, running from mercy for others. But at the same time, then, then I'm seeking mercy for myself by repenting and praying in my banishment. And Jonah chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 says, For you cast me. This is talking to God. God, you cast me into the deep. And he did. Into the heart of the sea. And he did. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be living out in the heart of the sea, a little less than the belly of a fish. And the flood surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. And then I said, I have been cast out of your sight. You have cast me completely away. Yet I will look again towards your holy temple. What choice did he have? What was, another, what was the other choice? Can you name it? Have you been here? What's the other choice other than repenting and praying? Can anyone name it? There is no other choice. You either do this or you just roll over and die. That's it. That's it. You either do this or you roll over and die. Have you ever been cast away and banished? From what appeared to be the hand of God and just needed a little mercy. In 2 Samuel 14, 14, one of my favorite passages, it says, We will surely die. We're all going to die in this happy news. We will surely die and become like water spilt on the ground. You won't even be able to see where I was 30 days after I've been here. I'll be gone. I'll be like water spilt on the ground. Listen to it now. We will surely die and become like water spilt on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. Once you spill water on the ground, it's gone. Yet God does not take away a life. But He devises means so that His banished ones are not expelled from Him. What's that mean? Hebrews 13, 13. 
you had to go outside the camp. You had to go outside the city of Jerusalem. You had to go outside the city of Jerusalem because it was outside the gate that Jesus was crucified. He's out there with the banished ones. He's not there in the temple. He's out there with the rest of us, collecting us back up. Should you not want mercy? I know you want mercy for yourself. I know you want it when you feel like you've been banished, when you've been relegated to the outside, that you're not the one on the inside. When you feel that, I know you want it for yourself. But should we not all want mercy for our fellow servants who need God's mercy and who are on the outside feeling banished? Have mercy on the Ninevites who are in their banishment. As I pray for myself in my banishment. Number next. Running from mercy for others and then seeking mercy for yourself by repenting and praying in your pit. Listen to Jonah now, verses 5, 6, and 7. The waters surrounded me even, listen to this statement, even to my soul. I don't know, that sounds like water was in the place where he's at. The deep closed around me. I can't even imagine it. How do you breathe in that situation? Weeds were wrapped around my head. This is total darkness. You know that, right? That alone, in a small space, I'm dead. I'm claustrophobic. You can throw spiders all over me. It won't bother me. But don't put me in that position. I'll go, you know... And he's praying. Verse 6, what choices he have? Verse 6, I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth, its bars closed behind me. Listen to this statement. Forever. Do you feel that? It closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit. I was gone. I was God. Oh, Lord, my God, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Have you ever been in a pit and felt your soul slipping away? And you just needed a little mercy? Have you been there? Psalm 40, 1 through 3 says this. I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined to me and heard my cry. Listen to this next statement. Verse 2, Psalm 40. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my steps. And listen to this statement. So not only did He bring me out of a horrible pit, and I've been in a horrible pit. Maybe you've never been in one. But I've been there where I thought it was closed forever. And he has put a new song in my mouth and praise to our God. Many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. Amen. Now, if you're in a pit right now and it feels like the bars are closed behind you forever, the Lord can still hear you. And can pull you out of that pit. And if that's what you want for you, 
Should we not want mercy for our fellow servants who need God's mercy? Have mercy on the Ninevites. They're in their pit. I'm praying for me in my pit. Can I not pray for them in their pit? Can I not hope against hope? And finally, running from mercy for others. And then, in my religiosity, seeking mercy for myself, for repenting and praying in my idolatry. And this is an interesting thing that Jonah begins to see. He begins to see something about himself. I don't know if you picked up on it, but you've probably not seen it about yourself. He had never seen it about himself. Most religious people don't. Most people who don't worship idols think they don't worship idols. Listen to verses 8 through 10. Those who regard worthless idols. Now, now who's he talking about? Those Ninevites. Oh, those Ninevites. They worship wrong. They worship idols. That's, they're horrible people. They, God doesn't even show them mercy. They worship idols. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. They turn their back on their, the mercy that God would give them. Verse 9. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I vowed. So I guess we don't have the vow recorded here, but he's vowing it now. Okay. I will pay what I vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah on dry ground. Now, he doesn't get it here. He only gets it after the book's over. But what he just learned, and he got an inkling of it, is the reason Jonah's in this place is he worshipped a false god. He worshipped an idol. And it was the idol of his own version of the way he wanted things to be. Have you ever been idolaters and didn't even know it? And realize your sin, and realizing it, you realize your need for mercy if you got it. And say, well, I've never been an idolater. I've never bowed down to a statue. Listen to Colossians 3 and verse 5. You don't have to do that. It says, therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth. Fornication. You can be an idolater worshiper of fornication. Uncleanness. You can worship uncleanness. Passion, you can worship passion. Evil desires, you worship that. But here's the one that he says. And covetousness, which is idolatry. Well, what is covetousness? I'm not a covetous person. Well, it's a relentless urge to get more. I just haven't ever got enough. Really? You never struggle with that? I don't know a person that hadn't struggled with that one. Where's the cutoff valve? I don't know where it's at. Where's the line in? I got enough right there. I don't know a person that feels that way. You don't think you struggle with idolatry? Every last person on the planet struggles with idolatry. But unless you see it, you don't feel any mercy toward an idolater. How much different is he than me? <laughs> Not any. It's just he has a wooden one or a gold one that he kneels down to. I struggle with the one that is at my house called Rex Dutton. And giving him all he wants. Without regard to saying, well, that's enough. No, I got a little bit more. Little bit more. 
Should you not want mercy for your fellow servants who need mercy from God? So that means have mercy on the Ninevites in all of their idolatry as I pray for me and my idolatry and try to give it up. Well, that's the lesson today. We struggle. You know, we want mercy for us when we're in our fish, when we're in our affliction, when we're in our banishment, when we're in our pit, when we're struggling in our idolatry. We want mercy there. But how about the other guy? Could we have enough mercy in our heart to actually pray for them? To actually try to reach them? To actually try to preach to them? To actually care for them? Or to actually treat them as if maybe they're no worse than me? It's easier to ask for mercy for me than it is to learn to want it for others. See, the unmerciful want judgment for others. Well, he wants mercy for him. Get them! Can't believe those criminals. But of course, saved by the grace of God, I'm a criminal. Just born, just a little different situation. You think, you think I got different DNA? I just happen to be raised in a different place, under a different circumstance. The unmerciful want judgment that even the absolute worst Bible student would not attribute to God. But we don't want to talk like that. Because if you're really a good Bible student, you don't attribute that kind of mercilessness to a God that's so good he sends his son to die for you. He doesn't think like that. Jonah preached his experience. And he preached it for 40 days. What experience? Well, Luke eleven thirty says, For as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so the Son of Man will be to this generation. So when they saw Jonah, maybe they saw where his skin had been burned off. I don't know. But I know he preached what happened to him. And how he got out of that mess. When you're that far down and you get out, then you know what? All of a sudden, maybe there's hope for anybody and everybody. Amen? Maybe God could reach anybody. Jonah's preaching worked, but he still hadn't learned mercy yet. Still hadn't learned it. Eventually, he did learn, and he wrote this book, but the prodigal son's older brother needed to learn mercy, didn't he? And if God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and we still haven't gotten that feeling, what we haven't gotten yet is mercy comes running when we just make a slight turn. In a town called Wishaw, Scotland, there lived a believer who was an earnest believer who happened to be a magistrate, a a judge. And one morning there appeared before him in the courtroom one of his best friends from when he was a kid. And they had always been good friends. But now he's committed some kind of offense against the law. And it was a serious offense. So all those people who knew both these young men, as they'd grown up, they wanted to see what the magistrate would do with his best friend that was now standing before the judge. So a crowd gathered. And they expected somehow the judge would probably let him off light. You know how corrupt judges are. You know how corrupt magistrates are. He's going to let him off light. But what happened that day was not what anybody expected. He brought before him and he laid on him the most severe 
penalty he could give him, which was a fine, a maximum heavy fine on his best friend. Everybody was stunned. But what really they were stunned about is afterwards, he walked down to where you pay the fine and paid the man's fine. So he did exactly what was right. He both found him guilty at the highest level that he could and charged him with it. And then he showed mercy by paying for it himself. That's the Lord we serve. He knows exactly how filthy you've been. He knows every little dirty thought you've had. He knows every wicked deed you've ever done in your life. He knows it all. He's got a book on it. And then he transposed the blood of Jesus all over that book. Forgave everything. He paid the penalty. Jesus found us guilty and paid our penalty. You know, the man that he did that for, that magistrate did that for, I bet he's brokenhearted, don't you? I bet he behaved differently after that. And if you ever recognize what the Lord God has done for you and me, how much mercy he has shown us, you'll be brokenhearted forevermore and serve him without question for the rest of your life. Oh, no, not for the rest of your life. After, you'll serve him forevermore. So if you're here today and you just realize that mercy will come running for you in the form of the Lord God, if you'll just turn back to Him, if you would repent of your sins, confess the name of Christ today and be baptized, mercy will be running, tearing up the ground coming towards you. Won't you come if you need to while we stand and while we sing?